Please turn to Acts chapter 28. Acts chapter 28. Isn't it good to have your own Bible? You call your own and you know it well and it knows you and you, you can't, if you feel, you know, if you lose your Bible, it's like you got separated from a loved one. You have, I watch people in church that don't have their own Bible. They're lost. They they don't know where to look in the. They don't know where to look up the verses. They uh, they you know it's just an awkward thing, and sadly some people are turning their phone into their Bible, and uh, there's nothing better than having your Bible. Your old black book. I have about seven of them. Amen. That uh, I call my own. All right, we're in Acts chapter 28. Let's stand read verses 1 through 6 responsively. And when they were escaped, then they knew that the island was called Melita. And the barbarous people showed us no little kindness, for they kindled a fire and received us every one because of the present rain and because of the cold. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks... And laid them on the fire. There came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he hath escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth not to live. And he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. Howbeit they looked, when he should have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly. But after they had looked a great while and so no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a God. So we're going to look at this passage, this story tonight, and just talk about a rush to judgment. If you, if you have a rush to judgment, you're probably going to be wrong almost every time. The odds are very uh, high you're going to misjudge. All right, so let's pray. Father, help us to be good at judgment. Do as little of it as we have to, but to be good, judge righteous judgment. Please teach us from thy word in the, the Apostle Paul, his story of his life. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. A rush to judgment. Men are superstitious. I've never been a superstitious person. I'll walk under every ladder. I'll pet every black cat that comes across the road. I won't try to run them over. I don't believe in knocking on wood. I like seeing owls. What else is out there? There's tons of crazy super... I, walk, I already said walk under ladders. What else is there? There's a lot of... Based on fear, men are too superstitious. They're ba it's based on fear, on family superstitions. Men are too judgmental. They really are. They ought to leave the judgment up to God, but they're too busy being a judge themselves. And so, we, uh, you know why? We believe we know. We believe we know. We set ourselves up as a judge when we didn't get elected. 
We don't have any elected judges in here today, do we? Also, we didn't get appointed. We don't have any appointed judges. The Bible says Jesus is ordained, appointed to be the judge. We looked at that today in Sunday school. Men are fickle. They change their mind a lot. They're not set in their ways and in their mind. Men are situational. They base life on cases uh, rather than principle. Individual cases rather than allowing principle to determine the situation. Situation ethics. They, their ethics are based on the situation at hand rather than the principles that do apply. And so such is the story that we read here about the Apostle Paul. You know, he'd been in a ship with seamen, uh, with mariners, with soldiers, and with a lot of criminals. And he was tagged as a criminal himself. He had been accused of sedition, causing riots, being a traitor to his country. He had been accused of heresy. He had been accused of trying to turn men away from Moses and follow this new leader, which is Jesus Christ. He, these were... Now, if the Jews had their way, Paul was going to be dead. And so if the, if the Jews had their way, Paul would have already been dead. What saved him was what Jesus was not. Jesus wasn't a Roman. Paul had been born as a Roman, as a free man. His dad was a, was, uh, had Roman citizenship. Therefore, the apostle Paul had Roman citizenship. It saved his very life because he appealed to Caesar. So the Jews could not get their hands on him. And so he's going to get judged in Rome. So the whole story, uh, it's funny. Every time I read chapter 27 of Acts, amazing things show up to me. And I learn a lot from the voyage of, of uh, these men. 276 souls were on this ship. That's a, big, that's a lot of people on a small ship made out of wood. And there's traveling the high seas. Mediterranean in the wintertime, very dangerous, very treacherous. You know, they thought they were going to have a smooth voyage. They took off and it was fair weather and, they th and, and you know, the, the winds were lightly blowing. They said, we obtained our purpose. We're going to make this trip. And Paul says, no, we're not. Because I happen to know God and the Lord has told me, you better pull over now at the nearest harbor in winter. You know, when... When they would winter, they'd spend the winter months in a place. That's what that means. We're gonna, anytime Paul said, I'm going to spend the winter with you or winter there, that means the whole winter. You didn't travel in the wintertime back in these days unless you absolutely had to. Well, the centurion who was in charge over the ship had worked a deal with the captain of the ship. We need to get to Rome. We're going to try to beat the weather. Well, they didn't beat the weather because Eurachodon blew in, this windy storm. You know, I used to think this was a hurricane. No, it's a winter storm. It's a horrible winter storm. You know, America's been through a few of those lately. We wouldn't even know what it is. We're, you know, the whole, the whole nation's being frozen out, blizzards and suffering, and we're down here with short sleeve weather. Uh, in our own little world, our own little dry world, don't, we don't know what water is and we don't know what snow and ice is and we don't know what blizzards are. We do know what some high winds are, though, as of late. 
but there's 276 souls. So if you read the story of the perils they went through, you know, this was a, I mean, their life was at stake every single day. They got caught in a storm. They couldn't drive the ship. There's no need to have sails because the sails were, if, they, if anything, they're going to tip the ship. They had to pull the sails down and let her run with the storm. So they got blew, they blew way off ashore. Now look over here at chapter 27, verse 26. Paul said, let's go back to verse 25 because I love this. Paul says, wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. They all thought they were going to die. They all thought they were going to. It says on there, all hope that we'd be saved was lost. We thought we we're going down with the ship. It's as guaranteed as sure as can be. The swells were getting bigger, not smaller. And Paul says, be of good cheer for I believe God. One of the greatest statements in the Bible. That it shall be as it was told me. And what God told him was, you're going to survive. You will live through this. And he also told him, everybody in the ship is going to get saved. Man. He says, I'm going to give all these men to you. And then, number, and then also, we're going to lose the ship though. The ship is going down, but the men aren't going down with the ship. And so he says, be of good cheer. My God, the only true God, has told me during the night. He paid me a visit when y'all were all over there crying and talking to your false gods. The true God came and said, you're going to live. Be of good cheer. He tells them, take some food. They had gone 14 days without eating. They didn't want, you know, think about seasickness. Uh, think about going 14 days on the high seas with never seeing the sun, never seeing the stars, never getting to eat. And probably not getting much water to drink. How, man, how bad this trip was. They, had, they were at very despair of their life. And so, but God told Paul, you will survive and all these men with you. And then in verse 26, how be it, we must be cast upon a certain island. We will be shipwrecked. This is in chapter 27, verse 26. He says, you shall be shipwrecked on an island. It's a certain island. It's an island God wanted him to be shipwrecked on. You know why? Some people are going to get saved on that island. You know, their, their disastrous trip turned into salvation for a lot of people. So they made it. You know, if you read the story, the, uh, the ship gets locked into the sandbar. The, the front of the ship goes into the sand and sticks. And the waves are so violent, they tear the ship in half in the back. And the ship's just destroyed, and all the men jump out and swim to shore. And those that couldn't swim, they get on a piece of board and they paddle their way in. Well, guess what? What's that song? Some on broken boards, some on pieces. Broken pieces. They they get the they found their way to shore. They get there. It's cold. It's winter time. They've been in the sea. They have this. Uh, harrowing story to tell and when they pull up to the, when they all swim to shore they're greeted with these people they, you know it's interesting the bible calls them barbarians all that means is they weren't romans they weren't educated they were people natives of the land who knew the land very well and they show up and they receive them and get what do they do kindle a fire 
So in, in verse 2 of chapter 28, it says, they, they showed us no little kindness. These people were so kind to us. They were so good to us. They kindled us up a fire. You know how the old thing is. Hey, it's cold out there. Throw another log on. Throw a couple of logs on. We don't want a fire to cook hot dogs on. We want a blazing bonfire to warm me from my cold clothes. Just get me warmed up. I'm, you know, I'm shivering. I'm cold to the bone. Now, what some people do is they like to stoke the fire. I like to stoke the fire. Take the poker. You, you with me? And stick that in there and move the, move the logs. Why? You, you stoke the fire. It gets the oxygen in there. And sometimes the coals burn better. And it gets, kicks the heat in. The real coals are where the heat is. So they're trying to get warm. Well, Apostle Paul, I know what he's doing. He's sitting front row with his hands like this. No, he's not. He's out collecting firewood. Why? You know, you think about that. Here's the greatest one of all there. And because of him, they're saved. And he's out collecting firewood while no doubt there are some lazy folks that are doing this. You know how it is. You're here and then you're going to stand like this a while to get your back, and then turn around, and now you heat the, y'all ever been, is that's all you get? In my grandmother's growing up, all we had was a fireplace, and it was cold, and we'd fight over who got to be in front of the fire, and after a while, you'd start cooking. Hey, turn that, turn that piece of meat over, so you'd turn to the back, and, and, and heat the backside. Well, that's what's going on here. They want a hot fire. Well, Apostle Paul, he's gathering sticks. He's out in the cold gathering sticks because he wants other people to be warm more so than himself. And so it says in verse 3, when Paul gathered this bundle of sticks, he laid them on the fire. Most amazing thing happened. A viper came out of the fire, fastened upon his hand. You know, and I think about that. Where did this snake come from? It was in the fire. It was in a log. It was inside a log within the fire. You know what's interesting about serpents? They are reptiles. They're cold-blooded creatures. So in very cold weather, they can't move. They're just like an icicle. You know, they will not move. They're not dead. They're just dormant. Well, this snake was sitting in a log, sitting in the fire. What does that mean? The snake's going to come pull out of it and wake up. The heat is caused... The blood of the snake is starting to match the temperature of the fire. He wants out of there. Now it's too hot. Paul just happens to be there at the perfect time where this serpent comes out of the fire and latches on his hand. And you know, he, he's down there, he's pulling up, and as he comes out of, the fire, out of the fire, here's this snake hanging off of his hand. How amazing it, and he shakes it off into the fire, you know. Now, this is a different type of snake than the type that would get us around here. And, and I, I'll try to explain this a minute. You know, I did some studying on this. What kind of viper was this that, that bit Paul? So this, this island called Melita, it's Malta in modern terms. It's the island of Malta. And uh, you can go there. It's a great place to visit for people that like to travel. And this viper, you know, some people think that they, uh, it's, it's basically Maltese legend that it's called the leopard snake. Samaris Cetula is the scientific word. This snake 
looks poisonous and it no longer is. It's one of the only snakes in the world that looks venomous, but it's not. And their, their tradition is that when the snake bit Paul, this venomous beast, and he shook it off, that he took the venom away from all of this type of serpent. And they're all over the island and people don't get bit by them and they don't, get, they don't die from it because of the things that happened with Paul. That's all legend. We don't know if any of that's true. Most people are going to say it's a, it's, a, it's a snake called the Vipera Beris. And I looked him up, and he's a wicked-looking thing. Small, poisonous snake that when they bite you, you know, if, if a rattlesnake strikes, they strike. They strike. This snake latches on. You know, there's a poisonous snake here. I've seen two of them on, on our ranch called the coral snake. They bite you by grabbing a hold of your wherever they bite and they chew into you to inject the venom. That's what this thing was doing. It latched onto his hand. And so the barbarians, they see this. I mean, can you imagine seeing something happen like that? And what this says to me is, they are immediately judging him. As soon as they see the snake hanging off his hand, the judgment's made. He's a murderer. Look, he deserved it. He was one of these prisoners on the ship. He, got, he went through the storm of a lifetime. Yet vengeance didn't allow him to live. He had to be a murderer. Now, these barbarous people, all that basically means is that they're non-Roman people. Very superstitious, right? Now, I will say one thing about them. At least they believed something. They believed in karma, like most of the world believes in this wicked word karma. That what goes around comes around and that you live a certain way, it's, you're going you're gonna to get it. Now, the Bible word is you, you reap what you sow. The biblical terminology is whatsoever thou sowest, that shall you also reap. We don't believe in karma. This barbarian people, though, they made this quick judgment on the, I mean, immediately. This man had it coming. This man obviously deserved it. It's a judgment from the gods. They didn't know the true God. They said, he, we watched the vengeance take place. This man is sure to die. What are they saying? He's a criminal. He's a murderer. God hates him. Vengeance got him. It's a done deal. We watched it happen. Paul shakes the snake to the fire. Feels no harm. After time elapsed. And it says a good while. They're wanting to watch him die. You know, think about that. They're watching to see him get sick. They're watching to see him shake violently. They're watching to see him fall down and faint and eventually die. Well, it doesn't happen. They see him continuing to do what, I mean, he's warming the fire, he's preaching to men, he's just living. They changed their mind. Well, well, he's obviously not a criminal. He's obviously not a murderer. Hey, nobody can do what this man did. He's a God. Now think about that. They went from he's the worst of people to not even a person, a God. 
rush to judgment. You know, no swelling. It says there, no, no swelling, no redness, no fainting. This man must be a God. Now, they didn't understand. This is the fulfillment of Mark 16, 18 that said, they shall take up serpents. Paul lived this. Now, this is an apostolic gift that God gave only to the disciples, the apostles. If somebody poisoned them and they drank deadly poison, it wouldn't kill them. If they were bit by a poisonous snake, they wouldn't even feel it. They wouldn't die. These were sign gifts to the Jews so that they could get saved. Most of the prisoner on this ship, these prisoners, were Jewish prisoners. And they're seeing this happen. Now this is found in Mark chapter 16, verse 8. It says they take up serpents. How foolish it is, though, that there's certain sects of Christianity up in the hills that play with snakes. They call it snake handling. They take up serpents. They do it in church. They think they're that crocodile guy. Well, he didn't last. Crocodile hunter. Spiritual crocodile hunter. You know, it's apostolic. It's Jewish. It's sign gifts. It was with the apostle Paul. And after this happened, it never happened again. You know, what's interesting about this miracle is only one more in the whole Bible happened after that. This man, well, actually, it was right afterwards that the man, the chief man of the island, his, his name was Publius, or Publius, and his father was deathly sick. And Paul went in and laid hands on this man, and he was healed. And then it says they brought other people that were sick to him, and they were healed. Those are the last miracles recorded in the Bible. That's it. Why? Because the Jews rejected the gospel. In Acts 28, you read the end of the chapter, it tells us why the sign gifts are all over. Paul said, I'm done with the Jews. I'm going to the Gentiles and they will hear it. Now, we know that Paul was not a God. He was an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he proved it on this particular night. So let me just give you some principles concerning this that I drew from this, and they're very simple. Number one, do not rush to judgment. Number two, don't ever rush to judgment. Number three, don't be so quick to make judgments, especially on people. No, that's just number one. Don't rush to judgment. All right? Listen, when you make quick judgments, that's very dangerous. Very dangerous to do. You know, people who make fast, quick judgments, their reactors are too sensitive. You know, they saw this. And I mean, they're watching the snake come out of the fire with his hand, and they're already saying, he's a murderer! They'll get that right there. He's, he's guilty as charged. And he wasn't. But boy, they made a quick judgment. It's, you know, he shook it into the fire. And felt no harm. What an amazing thing. Sudden judgment. You know what that is? Seeing of the eye, hearing of the ear, and how you feel. That's why you're doing it. You saw something. Appearances can be very deceiving. You know, we think we see something. We think we heard something. We think we know why we make a judgment. You could be very, very wrong. So number one, don't rush to judgment. Number two. Let things process before you make a judgment. Just let it process out. 
You know, if they'd have, you know, it, it's, you don't know why things happen to certain people like you think you do. We don't know why people do what they do like we think we do. We don't know. You don't know the behind the scenes workings and what's really taking place when something happens to another person. You don't know the secrets of men. God knows the secrets of men. God makes the judgment because he knows the secrets of men. And also, Proverbs 18 verse 13 says, He that answereth the matter before he heareth it, it is folly and shame unto him. People who rush to judgment end up making a fool out of themselves most of the time. Why? They misjudged. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. I, I was too harsh. I was wrong. Wouldn't you be better to wait before you have to say, I was wrong? And honestly, bigger things might be happening than what your small mind thinks is going on. Let's remember these things. So if you see or hear something about especially someone else, wait and see. Because you might completely misjudge the person. All right? So number three, a rush to judgment will usually end up in the changing of your mind. You're going to find yourself changing your mind because you were wrong. Now you're going to make another judgment. He didn't die. We watched it. We waited. He's a God. I'm changing my mind about this man. Rash statements on thoughts that are based on the scene of the eye. So, uh, think about this. I'm not, I'm not saying, you might have been originally right. You know, if any of those other men stuck their hand in the fire and the snake got him, you might be able to say, well, that guy, he really had it coming. He was a murderer. He was going to Rome to die anyway. But not the Apostle Paul. So you might have been originally right, but you didn't know that. But you think you did. Therefore, you judged unrighteous judgment. You might have completely misjudged the person. All right, and then number four. You might be wrong even after you change your mind. You could still be wrong even after changing your Because he was not a God. He was a man. If Paul would have been bit by a snake ten years later, it would have probably killed him. Some of Paul's friends were dying and sick. And he didn't, he didn't have the power to heal them anymore because the apostolic gifts and the sign gifts were done away with because Israel rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God was dealing purely with the Gentiles at this time. And this is why we're called the Gentile church, made up predominantly of Gentile people. So number four, you might be wrong even after you change your mind. He was no criminal. He was no God. He was an apostle. Think about the false stigma we put on, what they put on Paul. First, they called him a, a, a criminal. That's wrong. Secondly, they call him a god. That's wrong. You know, he was called a god in Acts chapter 14. They called him Mercury or Hermes because he was a messenger god and brought a great message, tried to do sacrifices to him. This is the second time he got accused of being a god. When's the last time you were accused of something like that? <laughs> what do we get accused of? Liar. Cheat. Unfaithful. Disloyal. 
Yeah, well, Paul had a special grace on him that they didn't understand. They were wrong both times. That's what I'm saying. They were wrong both times. So, uh, many people got saved as this. So the purpose of this study is not to determine why things happen to people. That's not the reason. But how to judge properly. So let's talk about this and we'll be done. All right. So think about this. Righteous judgment. And we'll look at some verses here in just a minute. We'll be done. First of all, you say, oh no, how tragic. He got bit by a snake. That's tragic news. Not, he had it coming. I know that guy. I knew that guy. He really, he had it coming. When you think you know so much, you know, you say, what a sad mishap. I hope he's okay. I hope all is well. You know, bad things happen to good people all the time. We don't know why. Hey, what about the other side? Good things happen to bad people. We don't know why. We're not their judge. So number one, it's, oh no, how tragic. Then number two, you would, you would start thinking, how did this happen? How did a snake come out of the fire? Has anybody ever seen a snake come out of a fire and bite somebody? I know a man who was chasing a coon, coon hunting one night. And this coon went in a log, and it had been wounded. And he stuck his hand in that log to get, grab that coon, and out he came with a snake on his hand. Huh? Richard Silva. So, yeah, that was his name. His whole arm was shriveled. He wasn't the Apostle Paul. His whole arm was all shriveled up and eaten out because he did. I know another guy was playing with a small snake. He was a little kid, and he didn't know it was a rattlesnake. It was a baby rattlesnake. Bit his finger. He didn't know what he's playing with. He's playing with fire. Y'all know that guy, by the way. Uh, why did, how did this happen? That'd be the next thing you'd say. How could something like that happen? Uh, an un, almost unexplainable event right here. Okay? Then number three, you'd say, why did this happen? Small, you know, people that want to know and are good judges, they want to know why things happen. There's nothing wrong with going, why did that happen to so-and-so? But here's the thing. You may never know why it happened. Isn't that what they did to Job? They misjudged him. The whole story of Job is he got judged harshly, and they didn't know, and they got judged for judging him. That's my lesson tonight. You know, it's between God and them, not us. But we still want to know. And then number four, since... Since uh, we don't know how it happened or why it happened, yet we would say, what can I learn from this? What can I learn from this story, this tragedy, this accident, this mistake, this sin, whatever it is? How can I learn from this and become a better man? Now listen to this verse, Proverbs 20, verse 12. The hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord hath made either both of them. Hey, I heard it. I heard them say it. I saw them do it. Well, God saw you. God heard you. You see what I mean? But we got to be careful here. God saw you. He made you so you could hear and see, but He sees and hears everything that we're doing. 
And as you judge, so will he. So look at John chapter 7. John 7. Now there's always an answer to these things, and I've got to hurry. Okay, John chapter 7. This is Jesus getting misjudged. John 7 verse 22. Jesus says, or at verse 21, Jesus answered and said unto them, I've done one work, and you all marvel. Moses therefore gave unto you circumcision, not because it is of Moses, but of the fathers. And ye on the Sabbath day circumcise a man. If a man on the Sabbath day receive circumcision, that the law of Moses should not be broken. Are ye angry at me because I have made a man every whit whole on the Sabbath day? Judge not according to appearance, but judge righteous judgment." Here's the answer. Now, they saw this man get healed on the Sabbath. And they thought, this is law-breaking as you can get. The Bible never says one time you can't heal somebody on the Sabbath day. But they changed it. He's working on the Sabbath. I did, you know, they were, get, they were after him. He healed this man on the Sabbath Day. They misjudged Jesus Christ. You know what? This was a work of God here, not a work of man. God healed that man. The God-man healed that man. And Jesus says, I and my Father are one, and my Father worketh hitherto, and I work also. That's found in John 5, 17. They could never understand. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. He made the Sabbath. He doesn't, he's not confined to the Sabbath. Jesus can heal the whole world on the Sabbath day if He wants to. God's laws are for men, not for God. That's what He's saying here. And He's saying, you never understood this. But then He applies the logic. He says, so you're misjudging me. You don't get it to this day. He said, I know people, if, if a young Jewish boy is born, eight days later, they're obligated to circumcise that child on the eighth day. Symbolizing new beginnings. They couldn't do it on the seventh they couldn't wait till the night because it fell on the Sabbath day. You see what I mean? If it fell on the Sabbath day, they circumcised the child so that the law of Moses would not be broken. And he's saying, all I'm doing is healing a man on the Sabbath day. The law of God never got broken. And by the way, the priests all worked hard on the Sabbath day. They all did. They all did. Most preachers work very hard on the Lord's day. It's not their, it, it's not their day of rest. It's their day of work. All right, anyway, all that said, watch what, how you make your judgments. Their whole judgment was wrong. So Jesus says, judge by, a, not appearance. Don't judge by what you see and what you think is going on. Judge righteous judgment. Now, if you judge by appearance, it's very uh, wrong, very earthly, very unspiritual, very foolish of people to do this. And so to judge righteous judgment, this is what you do. You decide something by, dis you distinguish all the facts. Hey, I'm not making a judgment till I know all the facts. And that's what made Nicodemus so great is Nicodemus said, I'm not judging Jesus Christ until I know everything. The rest of them had already condemned him to death. He said, I'm not making a judgment so harsh. There's no way. Well, he ended up getting saved. And most of these men didn't. 
So you decide something by distinguishing the facts. And then you set the judgment and you observe the evidence. You're objective about the evidence. And then you line it up with the Bible and you make a decision. Most of the time, you probably shouldn't make a decision. You probably shouldn't even make a judgment on another person. Unless you absolutely have to. You bring the sentence like a judge. Now, when you set yourself up as a judge, you're really going to get it because you get judged harsher. Now, uh, better be right when you make judgments on another person. I don't care what you see. You know, that's why when I went to jury duty, I didn't want to, I didn't, even though I knew the guy was going to be guilty, I didn't want, I didn't want to sit in judgment of that man. I didn't want to dictate his future. And God let me off. So, how about this? How about this real quick? Uh, someone makes a statement. This statement might be sound really strange. Might be off. Might be awkward. You go, what? Why did they say that? I know why. I know what's in their heart. That's rushing to judgment. You know, it might be offensive. Might be worded wrong. But see, here's the thing. We don't know the facts behind why they did it. They might know something you don't know. They might have seen something you didn't see. They might be uh, hurting really deep inside. They might be reeling from some really bad news. They might be speaking from pride, which all of us do at times. They might be making a wrong judgment. So what do you do? You wait and see. You don't make a quick judgment on them. You wait and see. That's how, you know, so... Hey, if something bad happens to somebody, don't rush to judgment. If something good happens to someone, don't rush to judgment on that either. If nothing happens to somebody, don't rush to judgment on that either. Judge righteous judgment. No rushing to judge. So don't judge when you're upset and don't judge when you're overly happy. Don't judge when you're afraid. Don't judge when you're overly excited. Don't judge when you're depressed. Don't judge when you're discouraged. Don't judge when you don't like the person. Don't judge when you're angry with that particular one. Okay? I'll I, I tell you, we know why, but I'll stress it in a minute. This is the last thing I want to say, though. When somebody misjudges you, as Paul was misjudged. You know, you, do you think he heard him say that? Probably did. They're all sitting around a fire. You know, when someone misjudges you, what are you going to do? You throw that snake in the fire and you don't let it harm you. You feel no harm. You go on with life. Hey, I'm not letting you dictate me and hurt me because you don't understand. You want to be a judge? This man wants to be a judge over me? Well, let him judge wrong. I'm not going to get in trouble with God. Unrighteous judgments are very common. They do it to us all the time. Shake it off in the fire and feel no harm. Then go off and serve God. All right. So let's bow our heads. Now, I'll say two statements.
and then we'll pray. Think about this. Close your eyes. The Bible does say the spiritual man judgeth all. He that is spiritual judgeth all things. Never says they judge people. We like to judge people. And then number two, you're going to be judged by God based on how you mete out judgment on other people. That's a very fearful thing. That's a very fearful thing. God lets us determine how He judges us by how we deal with the others. Now, that's why you, 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 mercy is of utmost importance. I'm not saying compromise. I'm not saying cover up sin. I'm saying judge righteous judgment. Make quality judgment. Jesus didn't say don't make judgments. He just said make righteous judgments. You'll not, you will not get up, make the Lord upset. Amen. All right. Think on those things, and we will pray and be finished. Thank thee, Heavenly Father, for the examples, the insamples in the Bible of these men and, and what we just read about Paul. I pray it should keep us very wise uh, in the fear of the Lord, that we'll understand this and take it very seriously. I will not set myself up as a judge and make rash, sudden judgments. I will let it process and judge righteously, especially those things concerning our brethren. And I pray that you'd bless the church, everyone here, bless the weak. We'll have uh, ordained, preordained works that we'll go out and do for thee. Prepare us for the week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.